Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Mosier continue their discussion on the Small Called Articles, looking at Article 3.4 on the Gospel. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to this kingdom since 1960. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osher. Welcome back, fellas. We are in a new article in the Small Called Articles 3.4. 3.4, yes. However, are we along. going to fill time? Talking about the gospel. <laughs> yeah, we were looking at the, the article and just seeing how short it is compared to others. And the fact yeah. that it's basically the introduction for the next several articles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, the gospel, we can talk about it. I feel like if I need to explain to my college or seminary students how to write a good short essay question or essay answer, like, I'm just going to give them this paragraph, which is is chock full and meaningful as any paragraph you'll ever read. Yeah, Yeah. each part you can really take apart. And and like we were saying, we could probably talk about a lot of these things for quite a while. Um, I guess before we really get into that, I should probably actually read it. Read yeah. the article, and then. Well, we got we got because we introduced last series that you were about to turn forty. Yeah, you are now forty. Yes, you I... haven't gone senile yet. No, nope. has your eyesight failed? Nope. But I have, have you not, gotten dentures? I have not thrown out my back this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I feel that that's a little too close. Yes. To yeah. <laughs> His hair, uh, it's so full and. Ah, I'm starting yeah. to notice a little bit of gray There's in there. There's some gray. You some yep. salt and pepper. Yep. I'm curious when you grow out this goatee that you're going to grow out, if you're going right. to have a salt and pepper goat. He still uh, looks we'll like see. he's 14, but yeah. you know. My, my kids challenged me to grow facial hair, so I'm going to make my attempt uh, to lose my baby face. Are you but... trying now? How long have you been trying? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't shaved in two weeks. <laughs> not, not currently trying, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think what you really need to settle into, and, and you guys are, who are listening need to look online at our profiles, the yeah. recently updated Being Lutheran <laughs> website. Yes. I think you need to settle into one of those wispy 1920s Ooh, yeah. mustaches. And I start, could probably do that. Yeah, yeah, take up pipe smoking too while you're at it. <laughs> just beca- I could see that just being become J R R Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is good. On that note, let's read about yeah, the gospel. Right. <laughs> let's read about the All forgiveness right. of sin. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, all right. Let's let's read this. It's uh, small called articles. Uh, 3.4, uh, we, it says this, We shall now return to the gospel, which offers counsel and help against sin in more than one way. For God is surpassingly rich in his grace. First, through the spoken word, by which the forgiveness of sin, the peculiar function of the gospel, is preached to the whole world. Second, through baptism. Third, through the holy sacrament of the altar. Fourth, through the power of the keys. And finally, through the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren. Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered, etc. All right, that ends the reading of the article. I love yeah. this paragraph. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean... You almost do a word-by-word breakdown. It's kind of like, uh, what's that podcast that goes minute-by-minute through all of the Star Wars movies and just analyzes it? I I didn't know that. Yeah, we could do that here. Like, we shall. (laughs) 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 It's just full. But I love this phrase, in more than one way. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I mean, they list the ways, but I really think 
this kind of it, Luther throws down the gauntlet on where modern confessionalism has gone. And it's unfortunately in the confessional wing of the church, more often than not, we see that the gospel becomes formulaic, hmm. you know, and, and it just becomes one thing. Right. And it's not. And or, or even for maybe the more general American Christianity people, the gospel is only for conversion or becoming a Christian and then... Not really after that. Yeah, it could be a little bit of that too. What, what's interesting is that generic American Christianity is is kind of challenged in the next sentence because you got in more than one way through uh, uh, for God is passing a rich in his grace, first through the spoken word by which the forgiveness of sin, the peculiar function of the gospel. And so mm-hmm. Luther addresses the generic American Christian church in that he defines the gospel which is what the the American Christian church is guilty of not doing. And, and so, you know, we've covered this several places. And, and honestly, if you're listening, we've probably got 45 <laughs> right. back episodes yeah, on this topic. Yeah. But the, the American, generic American Christian church uh, refuses to define the gospel. They want to leave it as an abstraction, uh, as, as, you know, really, uh, when you hear gospel right. in an in a, in American church, what it means is any churchly activity, right? Sure. And, and so you've got that on the one hand. On the other hand, it will, Luther does not allow the gospel to become formulaic, which is what you hear in a lot of quote-unquote gospel-centered sermons. It's, it's kind of like you preach the word, and at the end, you kind of get an, oh, by the way, Jesus died for your sins. And is that the content of the gospel? Yes. Is that actually the gospel proclaimed? No, because you want to proclaim the gospel from the word of God as it's presented and the word of God proclaims the gospel in varied and in artful ways. Yeah. And we want to draw that out of the text. That's what, I mean, right. we got five lines on the paper <laughs> and it's just rich. Yeah. The thing that <clears throat> that caught my attention as we looked at it, I, uh, which gives guidance and help against sin, which I find to be interesting because when when you hear that in the generic American church, you know, to find guidance and help against sin, you get self help books. Yeah, you get law. Mm. You get law. Right. And and in this particular case, like the, the guidance and help that Luther identifies as, you know, being against sin are all things God does. And and that's critical to understand, you know, as we as we're talking about the gospel, it's not the it's not the law, it's not self help. It's it's all here's what God has done to deal with your sin, you know, to help to help you and guide you in the the reality that is sin. And, and I think that that's, yeah, that's critical. And that obliterates the notion of cheap grace, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah that, you know, really does. there's a lot of the American church. Well, I'm, I would guess that in every denomination here, we, we can stop backing over the American church for just a second. <laughs> every denomination, yeah. you've got these movements that, that, you know, rail against cheap grace or dead orthodoxy, or, you know, you got to have some skin in the game, that kind of a thing. And when you realize that the answer to our sin is the gospel, you know, people just can't wrap their brains. It's like, you got to give me something to do. I got to be working on something. I got to be improving something. Mm. No, you need to hear that you're forgiven and that there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. And that in that forgiveness, that is where you rest in the peace that you can to then go out and love your neighbor, but it's not, you can't do that until you have the freedom that the gospel gives. Yeah. So, you know, playing on that a little, would it be, would it make sense to say, like you're saying, you're directed towards your neighbor in, in good works, but you're able to more effectively serve your neighbor 
with the uh, through the power of the gospel at work uh, against sin, uh, like it says here. Is that a good way to think it, of it here? A little bit, yeah. So one on the one hand, I teach that you you actually can't love your neighbor without the gospel, because everything you're doing, even if it's for your neighbor, everything you're doing is selfish. Is you're mm. you're trying to take credit for it in some way, shape, or form. You're either trying to make yourself look better than other people around you. That's the Pharisee in the temple, right? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like these other miserable sinners around me. Yeah. Or you're trying to impress God, or you're trying to live in denial. And so, without the gospel, you're living selfishly. You're 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 hoarding your good works. It's the gospel that frees you to use your good works for your neighbor. Now, we, I, I, I want to, I, I always waffle on this. I don't know that I like using the terminology living in the power of the gospel hmm. because it's, it's actually the law that lays out what our good look, works look like, how we love our neighbor, and, and, and we want to obey the law. That's part of the gospel. But in the end, God tells us what to do. And when God tells us what to do, that's the law. And it's the gospel that frees, and it's the gospel that comforts when we don't do the law well enough. And so that's that constant cycle of vocation where yeah. I go out, God says, I don't do this and do that. And uh, okay, God, I'll do my best. And I go out and I try not to do that. And I try to do that. And then I realize I'm not doing that. And I'm doing the thing I shouldn't do, you know, <laughs> Romans 7 kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and at that point in time, the call, the command, and the invitation from God is to repent. And the promise of the gospel lives here that as soon as we repent, God forgives our sins. And as soon as God forgives our sins, he frees us to go back and use the law not as a threat. The law can no longer threaten us. The law can no longer condemn us. Then we have the guide to go love our neighbor. And as we go love our neighbor, the cycle restarts again. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's not that it's precisely wrong. It's just not nuanced enough for me. And, yeah. I, and I worry that if you don't nuance it, you end up with a kind of a gospel yes, yes. kind of a thing yeah, where uh, you're turning the gospel right. into law. Yep. And that's what we want to avoid. Right? Well, does that tie in then with gospel motivation, like yep. that phrase, you know, which I have no problem with qualified, I mean, uh, understanding what it is. Yeah. Yeah, Qualified Mm -hmm. for what it is. But yeah, if gospel motivation, when you hear that in preaching sometimes, and I think I, you know, I, I, truthfully, I'm probably guilty of it myself, right? This idea that, you know, we do this because Jesus did that. Well, then all of a sudden it's, it, you can delve into the realm of uh, this for that kind of a relationship, yep. right? Like uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. But, you know, the, and, and that's the way I see it taken in preaching a lot. But gospel motivation properly qualified as the fact that there is not there, your, your good deeds are filthy rags before the Lord, except for the fact that he has redeemed you, made you his and all this stuff. Therefore, your, you know, your works for him are all of a sudden done in the right, you know, with the, from the right spirit and all these different things. That's the qualification we need to have. But yeah, I hear that in preaching all the time. And it's that it's, it's lazy <laughs> preaching is what it is. It is. It's laziness because you, you, just like you described before, putting it at the end of the sermon, you know, and you can only do this through Christ in you, you know, and, and you get to do this now. It, it, it Oftentimes it's lazy because it doesn't come from the text typically. And, and you know, like how they're, how they're saying that doesn't 
it doesn't say it in the text that way, like you described, but it's, it's also lazy because you're not, you're not explaining the fact that like, you're, you're not unpacking the reality that this isn't a, a back scratching situation where, you know, God took care of you. Now he put you on that rock. Now you got to stay on that rock kind of thing because he gave you the power to, he gave you new boots or something. You know, all of those <laughs> illustrations, where's that in scripture? That, that's not there. Yeah. It's ironic that a phrase like gospel motivation can be turned into a, a law thing. Like, yeah, but, but are that's you really the whole being gospel point. motivated? Yeah. <laughs> that's you yeah. know gospel motivation or gospel imperative you know th- that's another term that's thrown around they are theolo- they're they're theologically acceptable terms insofar as they are precise and mm-hmm. nuanced qualified like you said but more often than not a lazy preacher will throw that in so that he can preach the law but not in, but get credit for preaching the gospel Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what we're worried about because gospel motivation really uh, done poorly or done lazily will just be, you know, probing the depths of human motivation. And and that's not gospel, you know, like there are times even as a forgiven sinner that I just simply don't want to do what God wants me to do. And that's biblically accurate because Paul admits the same thing in Romans 7. I do the mm-hmm. very thing I hate. And he's got that death spiral he goes yeah. through two or three times in Romans 7. And if it's down to my motivation, man, I'm hosed. I, I, I just can't do it. <laughs> you uh, hose head. Yeah. Yeah, hoser, eh? Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but gospel motivation is if you're tying it to the freedom of a Christian and the freedom from the condemnation of the law is a real thing because i mean the way we've talked about it in past episodes on the podcast is we live uh we live under the law but informed by the gospel so that the law is not the only thing uh, that there is, but we are free in the gospel and the law guides us. That's third function of the law kind of stuff. We also live under the gospel, but informed by the law so that we don't have a license to do whatever we feel like because God's will still stands. That's the kind of nuance you need in, in gospel motivation or gospel imperative, you know, like the command to believe. Yeah. Uh, if that's done in a lazy way, it's just that we want to preach the law, but get credit for preaching the gospel. Yeah. I know we, we went around... About this, maybe I don't know how many episodes ago. It's been a while now, but we talked about the nature of, um, you know, looking at Romans seven and the the pronouns, the personal pronoun I in that particular, and, and trying to parse out where where Paul's speaking from the new nature and the old nature and that that sort of language there. I know we, you know, you you took some, you know, we 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 went around about that a little bit. That's not where I'm going with this, but the point is with that particular passage, we can't miss the fact that. I think when we talk about gospel motivation, the, the gospel absolutely changes who you are. It's not a fixing up the old self, right? It's not a, it's not a, you're not very good at this. And so I'm going to teach you some skills to make you better. It's no, I need to murder that. I need to crucify it <laughs> so it. that, yeah. yeah, I need to kill it so that I can resurrect something entirely new in its place. And in, in this life, we struggle with that reality that we are both sinner and saint. We are both the old, we battle the flesh. In the old nature, and at the same time, we've been given a new nature. And I think to nuance it in that way, because that's what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 5, right? He's describing that uh, new new creation, old is gone, new has come. Romans 7, if you read it in light of that, is this idea that you have this nature now that hates sin, and you don't know what to do with yourself because it disgusts you that you still deal with sin. And, And when you're looking at that in terms of gospel motivation, what gospel motivation, how I would nuance it would be that you are a new thing now. (laughs) 
you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that new thing does good things. It does the right thing. It follows God's law, which is law. But but there is a motivation and a desire to do what's right because you're entirely new now. Yeah, and that's yeah, what the that's gospel good. does. The gospel is, it, it, and that, that frees us from thinking anything along the lines of, I did this myself. You know, I cleaned myself up, cleaned up my act, and I'm good now. No, it's God had to kill me first. Mm-hmm. And then make me something brand new in order to make this happen. And that's the gospel. It's all God, none us. And and that's the, exactly the place where I needed to be when I first came to the realization. I'm not going to say came to Christ or came to whatever, but came to the realization of what the gospel truly was. It had everything to do with the fact that it was 100% God, 0% me. I'm something brand new now, not because I you know, earned it, deserved it, uh, you know, paid for it, did whatever, but because Jesus earned it and he paid for it for me and gives it to me of his free volition. And once that, once I realized, oh man, what a freeing thing hmm. the gospel is. What yeah. a beautiful thing the gospel is. And, and you lent some clarity to the definition of the gospel. The gospel can't be, it's a second chance to get things right. <laughs> and it can't be you're a better version of your sinful self because mm. you're still a sinner in mm-hmm. either of those cases. But the other element you added is that because we still wrestle with our sinful nature, we have to hit the element that right now, the gospel, the justification we receive from God is declarative. It's that that imputation that we are called in God's courtroom of law, we are called righteous. We are declared to be righteous in the making righteous happens in eternity, where mm-hmm. we will, you know, we will realize that. And and that gets us around the errors of the holiness movements where God is making us to yeah. be justified. And, and you can, in some weird, twisted way, reach sinless perfection here on earth. That's not possible. So we've kind of got that simul, right? The the simultaneously mm-hmm. just and yep. sinner yep. At, at the same time right. is the whole nature of the gospel working in our lives. Yeah. And, and I think all, all of what we're saying here is is why we need the spoken word of the yeah. gospel. Uh, <laughs> and we're talking. We've been Christians and walking in in faith and repentance for a while. And and I, for me personally, even as a preacher of the word, I need to hear this for myself uh, in preaching the gospel. And and so I, that's why I love about this this article is it, it just says and we're tapping on how just the various tapestries of grace that are woven through um, what we need to hear. And so, I mean, we have just a few minutes here. I know we want to break down this. Uh, I wanted to talk about kind of the the, spo- the means of grace here, yep. uh, you know, the spoken word, and then the sacraments of baptism and the, and the sacrament of the altar. Um, so, and the next time we'll get into the other two that are listed in this article. But um, yeah, guys, just speak to maybe the spoken word and then the sacraments as as uh, the gospel uh, for individuals and for the congregation. I think the best thing about this, and we talk about the means of grace, is that God's word does what it says it does. And, and that's the whole point. It's like mm-hmm. the gospel is the power of God for salvation, Romans 1.16. And, and you know, I always have taught this from Genesis 1. God says, let there be light, and there's light. God says, let there be plants, and there's plants. God says, let there be animals, and there's animals. God says, you are forgiven, and you're forgiven. And the the power of the gospel is in God's creative word. Hmm. 
And that's where, going back to what Adam was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5, or we can go to Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God who is rich in mercy. The, the, those passages, the, the, the reality that God creates out of nothing, and he can declare something to be, applies just as much to Genesis 1 as it does to our own uh, salvation. Mm-hmm. That he's not taking something that we were. It's actually where I wanted to go right away when you're talking about this, Adam, is God's warning in the Pentateuch to the Israelites as they enter the promised land. And he basically says, No, don't get a big head. When you get to the promised land, don't say, It is because we are a nation great and mighty that God chose us. He's like, No, you guys are puny little pukes. And you're living on land that you didn't cultivate. You're eating fruit you didn't plant. You're living in houses you didn't build and drinking water from cisterns that you've never, you know. All of that is like, he, he belabors the point of, This ain't you, son. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't you. And, this and is it's, me. There's no room for us to tell God, you should be super glad I'm on your side, God. <laughs> but I mean, that's what we devolve to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and God creating out of nothing yeah. is the answer to that. And so that's the spoken word. Yeah. But because of our feebleness of mind and feebleness of flesh, he also attaches the word to the sacraments, to the signs, so that the message might be delivered. And again, this is, causes a fence all over Christendom, and it's really answered by the distinction the, between salvation accomplished and salvation delivered. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think uh, there's there's ways you can go this way, too, to make these about us. You know, baptism is a declaration of my commitment to God. Yep. It's a visual picture of what I've pledged to God in my heart. Um, and, you know, sacrament of the altar, you know, Lord's Supper, same thing is this idea is that I'm going to go and I'm going to, as long as I, as long as I get there on Sunday to get that stuff, I can live however I want. I can do whatever. It, it, and the, you've turned it almost in, like we've talked about the word talisman before yep. you turn it into kind of this token. So, so this, this, I think, and, it, and this is where it clarifies when it talks about the gospel being, you know, the help and guidance against sin. Uh, again, hundred percent God. And that's where we start, have to, we have to understand baptism. We have to understand the Lord's Supper in terms of His working and His presence. It has nothing to do with me or my working of it or my pledge or whatever. If baptism is any part me, I'm like, yeah, what? No, I'm not not super comfortable with that. I better get baptized again. You just know, in, I'm, case. in my better moments, I'm like, look at me, I got baptized, guys. You know, look at look at this. I'm pledging myself to God, and the next thing I know, I'm doing the whole Peter thing, and I'm running away, swearing at some little girl that I don't know him. You know, and that's like, you know, that that would yeah. be me. But the the baptism thing is a gift that God gives and a working that He does. And the same thing with His presence. In He says, "You're slow. Let me help you. Here's bread. Here's wine." Let, let me help you understand. I'm here with you. This is Look, my body. This yeah. is, yes. it's, it's like he's talking real slow. This is my <laughs> body. Take and eat it. Uh, You're slow, and I love you, and I want you to know I'm with you. You know, that that kind of thing. And and that's, uh, <laughs> in, in so many ways, that's why, like, you know, the, we'll talk about this when we talk about baptism. I think that's next time when we actually have a, a whole arc on, on baptism. But, you know, infant baptism, it's like yeah. wonderful, wonderful recipients because, in large part, it just—it's a beautiful picture. You like, yeah, <laughs> can't, yeah, can't get any more helpless than that. And the demonstration of what they need is so clear. 
And the fact that they can't do it is so clear. Ah, amen. God comes. Yeah, he does yes, it. Yes. Jesus comes to communion and says, this is my body. This is my blood. And we respond with a computer animated voice saying, this represents an apple. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get that inside joke, well done. I love you all uh, very yes, much. But yes. you're right. I went to a Church of Christ college for one year. That's where I went to broadcasting school at down in Oklahoma. First Christian, Oklahoma Christian University, sorry. Uh, and the, on orientation week, when I'm meeting all the students there, they were bra- bragging that I was baptized seven times this summer. Like just, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, they were, absolutely. And it's just That's robbing, a perfect number of times, yeah, at least. Wow. Robbing wow. baptism of significance, or you get this sense like you're going to communion and you're looking up at the sky as you approach the altar saying, see, Jesus, I'm remembering you. You told me to remember you. I am now remembering you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, like it's a purity pledge card or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, that we all signed every ring. Bible camp every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And And really, it's about... How do I know that God did this for me? Well, what if I attach my word to these things that happen outside of you and you can receive comfort and assurance that this is a benefit to you? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, maybe we should wrap up with that on that <laughs> a note. Good word. Uh, yeah. Just, Before Adam yells at another child. Yes, that was you, a very oh. that was a very vivid image there. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, and next week we'll we'll pick up our conversation looking at the other ways that's listed, and maybe others too of how the gospel helps uh, against sin. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary invites you to their 2024 Seminary Symposium on January 17th through the 19th with featured guest Dr. Joel Bierman. Sessions will cover topics related to Christian ethics, including virtue ethics in the church and the rise and fall of Lutheran pietism. Find information about live stream and in-person registration at flbc.edu slash events. God bless you and have a great week.